This is Emerging Possibilities, powered by Volvo Group Australia. Here we talk to industry experts about the future of mobility and how it will shape both our lives and the world we live in. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Emerging Possibilities, brought to you by Volvo Group Australia. I'm Matt Wood, and this episode we're streaming from Hanover in Germany, where myself and a couple of uh, media colleagues have just returned from the IAA. So joining me in the portable studio is um, Giles Parkinson, editor of the Renew Economy and also of the uh, electric vehicle-based site, The Driven. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Matt. And um, I'm not too sure whether this is a portable studio. It looks like a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining me in the studio is uh, Jeff Middleton, editor of trucksales.com. And um, I kind of feel like in the room we've got a really nice balance of experience here with uh, from transportation and trucks to renewable energy and uh, EVs. So... <laughs> When it, come, when it comes to experience, I think we've got Jeff, he's got about 40 years, and me, who've got about three days. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I haven't got that much experience in electric vehicles, but um, in internal combustion engines, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I've got to ask you, like after a couple of days at the show, we've been through the trade press days and then into, you know, the next day. What are some takeouts for you? Well, for me, certainly um, electric vehicles are dominant. Um, it's, the, it's the greatest percentage of electric vehicles I've ever seen in any kind of show. And an example of that was the Volvo stand that didn't even have one diesel vehicle on it. I've been writing about sort of various transitions of various sorts for the last decade. You know, you've got the energy transition where you've got wind and solar and batteries pushing out coal and gas, electric vehicles, which is mostly about passenger cars and more recently some utes just um, pushing out sort of petrol and diesel. I never thought, it never would have occurred to me that the trucking industry was at this point. So it was just astonishing for me just to see the industry, one, just being so proactive, and they've obviously been proactive in working on this for a few years, and here they are, they're kind of ready to go. As Jeff said, Volvo turned up with no diesel trucks. Most of the other one people who did have diesel trucks, then they had them at the back of the room and said, oh, well, if you want to still want to talk about that, we can probably show you this. But it was really all about, you know, we're going electric, we're going zero emissions, we're going quiet. And it wasn't really just about climate goals. It was kind of about return on investment. More particularly, it was just about the interest of the drivers and the communities. And they kind of all know that in Europe, at least, they're not going to be able to drive diesel trucks in towns and villages and in the suburban centres in five to ten years, whenever that happens. And um, But they're going to be ready with something else. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I wonder, I'm left wondering whether, whether this is an anomaly you know, whether it's whether a lot of the people have said, yep, yeah, we've got electric, we've got electric, and and that's kind of spread throughout the show. But is that an anomaly? And maybe at the next show we'll see a bit more of a balance between diesel, alternative fuels and electric, whereas this is a very electric-centric, if you like. I actually think that's a really interesting point because the, you know, at the moment it's almost like zero emissions equals e-mobility, yet for a lot of people it's just like one to the other. 
And this whole transition phase, we don't really know what it looks like yet, right? Like synthetic fuels like HVO and, and, and certain biofuels, anything that is zero emissions, you know, what's the transition look like? I don't know enough about the truck industry to sort of be able to talk about the various options and the various needs because what we do know now is that um, uh, battery electric won't do really long distances and that's obviously a big part of the trucking industry. But I was kind of taken by what the guys, Volvo guys set up in Norway when we were talking to them and they just basically said, look, at the moment fuel cells is the only option for longer distance but really you need four wind turbines to fill up a diesel truck and one wind turbine to fill up a battery. Um, you know, pro rata. So if they can get a battery that lasts longer, goes further, then that's kind of going to be it. But look, that's kind of, to me, it reminds me of the solar industry in the sense that um, everyone kind of thought, okay, we're going to go solar, but we're going to go solar thermal and we're going to have these other technologies. But the one that lowered its cost the quickest is the one that won out. And basically it will come then down to the laws will be tougher in five years. It will then come down to whatever they, is the competitive technology. And sure, maybe further down the track, other things might creep back up again. Well, if you look at it from an Australian perspective, though, we can't really do battery electric on our long-haul stuff. There's got to be something else. And as Roger Olm said, um, Volvo's perspective is to take a three-pronged attack on it and say, OK, we can't ignore diesel. We are going electric, that's for sure. But there's also hydrogen that's just lurking in the background. And... That could be one of the answers that uh, that's for us in Australia because you know we do we we can't ignore the fact that we've got some vast distances to cover. So there was a question asked the other day, which I actually thought was quite smart: Is battery electric just a stop along the way to fuel cell electric? Yeah. And it was it was interesting. The answer was a resounding no. Battery electric will work yeah. for so many different. It's here to stay. For yeah. sure. but Jeff's right though. I mean, those long distances can only be solved by fuel cells at the moment without this massive leap in battery um, performance. But um, I just reckon for those shorter distance things in the inner city, I just think that uh, I think the battery electrics are going to win out simply because they're going to be cheaper, they're going to be more efficient, and um, you've got to build a bloody big electrolyzer to fill up a few trucks each day. So, <laughs> Well, that's it too. We don't know what the infrastructure yeah. looks like either. Yeah, that's, that, that's a very good point because it's very expensive to make a hydrogen fuel station. Yeah. Um, that's been experienced in Australia where there's one going into Geelong. Compared to making a normal petrol station, they're massively expensive. Yeah. But just simply for the fact of storage of the hydrogen. Yeah, well, there's one that the first one that got built was in Canberra to support because Canberra's got like 25 hydrogen cars, and they spent a couple of million dollars on this like, yes, on this sure. hydrogen station. Yeah. And they said, "Oh, look, you can fill them up in five minutes," which is true. The problem is, even though you spent a couple of million dollars on a hydrogen station, you can only actually fill six per day. Oh, right, because wow. there's limits. So you can fill one up in five minutes. You get to fill another one up, and but after half an hour, it's all gone. <laughs> so you got to wait for another day before it's back up again. So, you know, that's 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 kind of the issue. So, but if imagine if you've got one that's servicing hundreds and hundreds of cars all day long, that's going to be and and I suppose. Uh, increase that like you know a hundredfold if it's involving trucks and buses yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that's interesting that's something i'd never actually thought about it's yeah. not something they advertise very loud no it isn't does it <laughs> but you I wonder know, why every technology has its secrets so yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
But it's little things like that that I suppose, um, because back home in Australia, like we've got a lot of people talking about hydrogen like it's going to be here tomorrow. But it's little things like that that yeah. clearly everyone realises need to be nutted yeah, well, out. The Victorian government and the New South Wales government got together and said, we're going to make the hydrogen highway. Mm. And so they said, well, whack in 20 million bucks. That ought to do it. But the, but the one service station in Geelong's cost them five. So <laughs> I don't, if you're going to dot them all along the Hume, I think it's going to be a pretty expensive exercise. Mm. Yeah. So if we look at the major OEMs, Virtually everybody's got a heavy-duty electric solution of some sort. I didn't see. They've got them or they've got them coming, that's for sure. Yeah. So we saw like E-Actros, Volvo, heavy-duty electric. Um, I saw Scania had a regional hall, battery electric as well. Then we've got the Nikola as well. That's an interesting <coughs> thing. I was talking to uh, one of the chaps there just today, and that's basically based on the Iveco S-Way. Mm. So it's a... It's an electric version of the of the S way, and I said, "Oh, when are you bringing these out?" And he said, "Oh, well, we're we're in serious production in America already. It's it's on, it's going on." And, and I had a bit of a sort of shuffle around that. I tried not to look like a corporate spy, but I was I was really really interested in that because it was a uh, like market ready or fuel cell electric vehicle and um, didn't have any batteries. <laughs> it was plugged into the 240. <laughs> 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 Look, I wasn't going to bring that up. But, um, the, there lies a few of the problems, but so we make it comfortable. <laughs> but the packaging was quite neat. I think, yeah. uh, I, I'm not sure how their market is going to take to a, a, a cab over like that, but I was impressed with the packaging, even if it was covered in the space where the battery should be. We, we knew like how it how it could potentially look in a in a commercial offering, and I, I thought it was great. And cell centric was a bit of a standout for me. Um, I don't know if you spoke to anyone on the stand there. No, I didn't get a chance to speak to the cell centric guys. Yeah, maybe we should explain what that is. Yeah. So just in case anyone hasn't heard me waffle on about it before, so Cellcentric is the joint venture between Daimler and Volvo Trucks on developing uh, fuel cell uh, technology and um, Cellcentric had a stand at the IAA and they had a couple of uh, very impressive looking fuel cells uh, sitting there but they also had quite a few people that used to work for Volvo on the stand and uh, uh, there was some really interesting uh, discussions where they're talking through the development of it but also not only that, how it works. We're, we're kind of in this really weird phase now where we're working out how stuff actually works. All we know is that, you know, there's a membrane involved and it creates electricity and hopefully pops out the other end, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the interesting things that I've sort of found for is that all the people in the trucking community, and look, I don't really know anything about the industry at all, but everyone's just sort of saying that um, these new technologies, be battery electrical fuel cells, are exciting and they do so much for the driver and they do so much for the communities in terms of working working environments, etc. But they're also talking about sort of changing the way they actually operate. So, you know, we heard about those guys with the Earthworks company, you know, and just sort of thinking completely different about the way they operate. Yeah, that was and really interesting, yeah. that those guys. It was, a, it was an Earthworks company up in uh, Oslo. And Tom Willemson. That's right, yes. Tom Willemson. And the MD there was saying that they're heading towards total battery electric vehicles. Uh, 2025, three years away. Yeah. That's yeah. 34, vehicle, yeah. 34 vehicles. Yeah. And I thought the interesting thing about that was that 
the only thing they needed to nail down was it had to be productive. So if yeah. it was productive, yeah. then it was commercially viable. And then on the back of that, they were able to completely readjust their entire operations to to take uh, electric vehicles on board. And, and it's working. Mm-hmm. And from the discussion we had, it's also winning them business. It's winning them business because they can work in the inner city and they can work at night and no one's going to complain. Yeah, yeah. I was struck by that productivity bit, actually, because you just said, look, range is just not an issue. We don't even think about it. Our big criteria is how productive these vehicles can be and the electric ones can be really, really productive. So, yeah. And that's funny because we just mentally equate range with productivity. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's just about, you know, um, how far you can go. I mean, it was interesting hearing you guys talk a couple of days ago. Um, you, um, many of you have been coming on um, board the group, um, been coming for 40 years, and, and, and I don't know whether it was you actually, Jeff, or maybe it was um, uh, maybe it was John or Andrew, then, and someone was saying that it was all about horsepower. You just sort of, yeah, all you do was dispose about how much horsepower you had, and that was yeah. the ba- ma- main criteria in the way you got press attention. That's, That's right. Kind of, yeah. 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 If you of, haven't got six, 650 or 700 horsepower, not in the game. But that's, that's kind of going by the wayside now, whereas they're saying now we've got range anxiety, which is the big thing. But, like, I've, I did a drive in the, in the first OE canter, which doesn't have a hell of a lot of range. In fact, it's got quite a small range. But we did a day of driving around Melbourne in this thing, doing a simulated day in the life of a little delivery van and then dropping off things and stopping and, you know, we'd, we'd um, instead of loading and unloading, we'd go and have a cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> but we found, I found that at the end of what I would call a shift, I still had about 20% left in, in the battery pack. And that thing's got bucket all range. It's probably only got about, well, if it's got 150k, it's lucky. So, but uh, so the, the range for a, for a small urban vehicle is, is, is not that important, really. And with, well, for instance, with the heavy duty trucks we drove the other day, which are the heavy duty Volvo FM and FH, battery powered, they had a range of some 300 kilometres which for an urban delivery vehicle, say for a supermarket chain, something like that, which is probably quite acceptable. Yeah, and I suppose for the benefit of anyone listening, so uh, we've ended up at the IAA after driving the first series production heavy-duty battery electric Volvo prime movers in Sweden. And as you may have heard, a, uh, a little visit to a customer in Norway as well. But what I thought was interesting, I'm sort of going to circle that round to what you were saying about horsepower before, like how we used to be engaged, you know, in the numbers on the door, you know, who's going to get there the fastest and all that sort of thing. When we start talking electric, it's a given. Like those those little city trucks that we were driving the other day, the heavy-duty battery electric prime movers are 666 horsepower. Like, that's a lot. And it's <laughs> certainly worth noting that with an electric motor, you've got instant torque. Yeah. And they've got masses amount of instant torque. So did you have any complaints on the performance of the vehicle? On <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fine. And the, the regenerative braking is, is astounding. It's really good. It's a three-phase system like you'd have on a retarder where you've, where you've got three positions on the stalk on the column and you can put on light regenerative braking or heavy regenerative braking or somewhere in between. 
And I found that just I was just driving on the accelerator the whole time and the service brakes hardly needed a touch. And it's a different way of driving, but it's certainly effective. So that's from somebody who's experienced in driving a truck. Well, and I'm, that, I'm, a, I'm a journalist with a truck license, an <laughs> experienced truck driver. <laughs> okay, I, I have sat in a truck with you. I will, yeah. Anyway, uh, but Giles, until a few days ago, you'd never set foot in a semi in your life, yet. No, I'm, a, I'm a journalist without a truck license. <laughs> <laughs> a journalist will never get a truck license, probably. But oh, um, I, I, I should add, this was on a test track, not... Uh, well, for me it was. No, no, Jeff took it out and on, on, and the others yeah, took well, it out. Yeah, they let us loose on the road of, yeah. of Sweden, which was which was um, showing great confidence, and, uh, especially that they were brand-new trucks straight off, the, straight off the production line. We were the first people in the world to drive a um, outside of a um, of, of an OEM to drive a serious production yeah. heavy-duty electric truck. Yeah. And I have to say that I was the very first because <laughs> I got to go out in the kiddies' track on the kiddies' track <laughs> before you guys woke up. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only place I where I was allowed to. It was the same. It, it was a 2K move and I just got into there and I just thought, bloody hell, this is big. And, you know, one, it was on the wrong side of the road and the, uh, and the steering wheel was on the wrong side of the cab. And I've never looked over to the right like that and seen such, something so steep and so big. But it was remarkably easy to drive. I mean, basically, look, I'm used to driving an electric car. I've had and I think that's, a, that's an interesting point. That's why I was sort of throwing that at you because it's not like it's your first EV. No. Yeah. We're used to, you own an EV, you're yeah. used to people who haven't been in an EV jumping in your car and go, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But as somebody who's experienced with EVs, I thought I was still amazed at the extent to which the ease of handling, the quietness, and that instant talk was replicated in the big truck. I just thought, no, it's not going to be quite like that, is it? But, but it was. Mm-hmm. And sure, when I went up the hill, it wasn't like a test. I didn't sort of think that gravity wasn't there. But it seemed to be no issue. I had no problems driving it. It was pretty steady going up that hill. I understand that it was a diesel truck and it would have been clunking through the gears and revolutions would have been going up and down and fuel efficiency wouldn't have been absolutely fantastic. But here it was absolutely streamlined, constant, perfect, and it was great. And then we did a couple of laps around the... um, the track was about two kilometres long. Then I did a couple of U-turns, well, not U-turns, but sort of tight turns in in the parking area. And I think that people made mention the fact that at low speeds it's incredibly manoeuvrable compared to the, the diesel equivalent. And, and um, yeah, it was um, it was pretty amazing. I still wouldn't be confident to take it out on the roads in Sweden because I haven't got the use of the weight and the width and the length and everything like that. But um, but it was it was pretty stunning. Yeah. If it was anything like ours, we were loaded to just under forty tons. Yeah, it's thirty eight ton, I think. Uh, the truck you were driving. Yep. Well, we had, I drove two. Yeah. yeah, one was, uh, one was 38 and one was 35, so yeah. the FM was yeah. 35. I, I didn't even know I had, I had a load on it, and that's how easy it was. And then I just yeah. thought, I said, well, what's it like when it's full? And the guy sort of looked at me like I was mad, and then I found out later, yeah, it was full, like 38 tons. That's how easy it was. Yeah, yeah they do it. They do do it easy. Yeah. And it does, um, just for your listeners, they actually have a transmission in them. They've got the standard uh, iShoot 12-speed transmission, but they only really use three of those gears, taking yep. off in about seventh, then it goes to tenth, then it goes to twelfth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think, look, 
uh, I don't know about anyone else, but after wandering around, um, and I'll be the first to admit, being a bit of a truck geek, I wander around IAA in Hanover like a kid in a candy store, just going, oh my God, look at that, mm, look at shiny things. Um, but I think you would have seen today that the, the future lies in like e-axles. The like, axle um, will. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> and obviously... Roger Owen put the pulled the rug off the axle yesterday. Yeah, and that's not unique to us. That mm. you could see just looking around virtually every OEM that uh, that that's the way to go to create um, chassis real estate to allow for more batteries to get more range and all that sort of thing. And even Jessica Jessica Sandstrom said that uh, in the hydrogen the hydrogen powered trucks when they come will. We'll have the e-axle, and that'll allow for more hydrogen tanks to therefore increasing range. Yeah. Mm. No, it's a pretty, pretty amazing it'll, space. It'll go forever. Well, <laughs> 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 but, um, You're going to have to to find a refueling station big enough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need that kind of cynicism in my life. <laughs> but... Any any other highlights from the show? I mean, you know, I've got my little sort of mental list, but you know, I'm. I've got two highlights. One was the fact that um, just watching these brand shiny new um, heavy duty electric trucks being um, cleaned with a feather duster. I thought that was pretty interesting. Just the, just the, the delicacy of just seeing these massive beasts and the guys just obviously trying to keep it shiny, get the dust off it, and yeah. things like that. So that was pretty good. But look, I'm going to have to say that. Um, just sort of coming down a bit. It was interesting the first day, just but every OEM was just rolling out, um, not just their talking about the heavy duty trucks, but also talking about their delivery vans, the last mile deliveries. Everyone's coming up with a new electric van. Pretty much electric versions of, of what they what already exists, but the fact that they're doing it is really important because it goes back to that point I was talking about, about local communities and governments just basically kicking fossil fuel transport out of their communities um, sometime soon. And then within that was the um, was the ID buzz, which I think we all had a go at, and uh, mainly because yeah, <laughs> yeah, guilty as yeah, guilty yeah, guilty guilty yeah, Just to yeah, clarify, yes. we're talking about the Volkswagen ID buzz, which is uh, a really awesomely styled electric combi, basically. Look, I think all of us should go and do, out there and do it, you know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> we might get into a little bit of trouble. But my my <laughs> mum had a combi back in the 70s and I should show her the idea. But I, should have, I should have bought her a model, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the sad thing about that is it's horrendously expensive, but look, maybe they can bring the cost down sometime. Yeah, the it's coming to Australia, the ID bus, I believe. Next year, is it, Matt? Do you? Uh, I didn't delve. I yeah, didn't I, I did ask them. <laughs> I did ask them, but my mind's full of all this other stuff from the show. So. <laughs> I've got, I've got overload. One thing, um, one thing that I found fascinating was was just the amount of excitement about alternative fuels and things. I've never seen it. Another thing, leaving the show aside, what I found was the amount of assistance that governments in Europe and for that matter in America are giving people who are buying electric vehicles, they're giving them rebates on the on the cost or the or the cost excess compared to a diesel. Yes. Whereas our government um, 
nature did you get a bit of a hurry up on that? Oh, look, I think there's a bit of a groundswell going on aside from here. But, yeah, so just to clarify, Germany and the Netherlands, the um, cost difference between diesel and uh, electric is um, fully subsidised by... Is it fully? I thought yeah. it was 80%. Was it 80%? I think it might have been 80%. Okay, but, cool. Um, yeah. That's effectively fully subsidised if you think about the lower running costs. There you go. So there you yeah. go. Cool. So, so, um, thanks yeah. for clarifying. And even in, in Norway, I think it was 40%. Yeah. But that's the difference between... The, the diesel version and the electric version. Yes. The, the subsidy is 40% of the difference. Yeah. And it was interesting here, it's 80%. And it was interesting that guy from Tom Wilhelmson that we talked about, yeah. the ones with the things that he was saying that was enough because of the extra business that he, he was able to get because as you sort of pointed out, he, he can, you did, Jeff, that he can work through the night now and yeah. just that much more efficient, that much more productivity out of the truck. So um, that was kind of enough for, for to get him to do it. And, He's got seven already and um, he's heading for 40 or 30 something, isn't he? Well, 100%. He's, he yeah, he's 35, of his 35 trucks that will yeah. be electric in three years. Amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. So so if you came back to the show in a um, couple of years' time, what would you expect to see? No diesel trucks at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, as I said before, I think this might be an anomaly that, that everyone's gone crazy on electric, and I think I think that that groundswell will probably ease a little bit, and I and I'd expect to see a little bit a little bit of a flattening in that in that curve. And I reckon you might see a little bit more in automation as well, because that was one of the other things that was sort of touched on by by a couple of the, It was just interesting some of the bigger OEMs talking about it as well, like VW was talking about it, and. Um, and I think Volvo might have even mentioned it. And, um, Don't worry, big into it. Yeah. yeah. So they're just sort of talking about that. And there was a couple of um, fully autonomous. Um, autonomous trucks there, which looked a bit funny because they don't have a driver's cab on them. So, um, so it'll be interesting to see to what extent that kind of grows um, next time. And look, you might see some, um, as Jeff says, you might see... Um, you might see more of the fuel cell or you might see more of the alternative fuels. You know, they're thinking yeah. about yeah. Um, synthetic fuels and stuff like that. So internal combustion engine, but just... Well, certainly the, the internal combustion engine isn't going to die straight away. Even Roger said that. Roger Holmes said that. Roger and I have been discussing that since his last visit to Australia in May. He's saying there's still work to be done on the internal combustion engine. Whether you have it fuel agnostic... Um, which is that it can run on different sorts of fuels. The same block can run on distance of different sorts of fuels and you just put a different top end on it. Well, um, we saw one of those at the show, did we not? Well, we yeah. certainly did. We saw one at Cummins. Yeah. In fact, we saw two. They've got a big one and a little, a smaller one, a 10-litre. Yep. A 10-litre and a 15-litre. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's, you know, I mean, I think we're going to see quite a bit more of that sort of thing coming up. Uh, it's, it's just a fascinating time to be... A truck journalist, I can tell you. There's so much to write about. I've got a list of stories to write. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know where to stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good news is, Jeff, it's a very long flight home. So. <laughs> I do. I've got a very long flight home. I'll make some use of that. Yeah. And you see, you watched all the movies on the way out. So you don't know how <laughs> I think I'll be getting some sleep too. <laughs> it makes it sound like I've been working here too hard. So, any closing remarks? 
Anything you want to add to that? I mean, you're looking pretty unhappy with your lot in life, Giles. Big smile on his face. Look, it's been a bit of an eye-opener for me, um, I've got to say. Um, I had no idea that this was happening. You know, I write about transitions and stuff like that. I had no idea what's happening to this extent. And look, I tell you what, because we kind of were outside the industry, and I just think, geez, I wasted a lot of words writing about the Tesla Semi um, because Tesla was a no-show here because yeah. they actually don't have a product to show. Yeah. Although it was interesting that some people were sort of thinking, you know, it was what Tesla did with electric cars that kind of helped shake up the OEMs, but I don't know whether that's the case or not. But it's just fascinating to me to see that it's really not all about Tesla at all. In fact, they were like a really small player in this. This is the rest of the established legacy industry taking the initiative and pushing forward. And I've got to say, you have not seen that in any other industry. Really? Well, but no, because you look at the energy industry, the legacy guys sitting there trying to put the foot in the brakes, trying to go slow as possible. Same with the car makers, you know, the Toyotas of the world, just trying, we've got hybrids, we don't want to go any faster than that. And other people just, no, 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 no. And, you know, General Motors, if you look at the value of their fossil fuel car business, it's zero. Same with Ford. All their value now comes from the electric cars that they've been forced to produce because of what Tesla did to turn the heads of the market. Yet in the trucking industry, you've got these new players, yep. but you've got the um, legacy market saying, no, you don't, no, you don't. We're, we're, we're taking control of this and we're going to go quicker than you. There's, there's, than you. There's, actually, there's billions of dollars being spent on R&D in the, in the truck industry. And I wonder, <laughs> like, there's, uh, there's much more money being spent trying to find a, the golden solution than there is in the car industry, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, 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 it's enormous. Yeah. Well, this is an industry where you're not going to see the legacy boys trying to slow it down. Yeah. And, and yeah. They, they just well, they can't. The ground's well there. Yeah. just too big. Yeah. But they're pushing it. But all to, all that to a lot, to, to a great extent, a lot of this coming from the customers. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. big international corporates that if they want to, if they produce a good, yeah. they want it transported and delivered by someone with zero emissions. And so. it's funny, like even when it boils down to the actual operation of the vehicle, and I've said this a couple of times before, it's not like it's a compromise, it's actually better. Yeah. It does work, yeah, for sure. It's actually better to drive. It's not like you're sitting there going, you know, um, munching on a piece of kale going, well, this is miserable. Yeah. You know, it's better. Yeah. Yeah. There's one thing I've got to say, that one thing, um, one stand that I really liked seeing at the IAA this year, that's the Brisbane Truck Show stand. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I missed that. Uh, <laughs> I missed the Brisbane Truck Show stand. Yep. I think it was in Hall 12. <laughs> there you go. Is, gonna, is that going to be? Is that going to be big electric next year? Do you know? I think you will see a presence. Absolutely. Yes. I think um, it won't be like this. It, it, it won't be on this scale. I would wholeheartedly encourage you to come along. But make a of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think I think next year you'll start that you, you'll get a real um, sense of the Australian journey really kicking off, and I think we've probably the last sort of 12 months or so, the momentum that's been generated on the ground and that's only going to continue to accelerate. And I think we'll see more players in the market with product next year. And, um, yeah, it, it's really going to take off. Well, that would be great to see. Really, would be fantastic because, you know, just um, just to get the noise and the pollution down and things like that would be, be fantastic. And as you say, it's a net game because everyone who drives them just loves them. 
yeah. performance, work environment, everything, and the people whose communities they're driven through might be even better. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, on that happy note, I think we'll wrap it up there. So thank you very much for joining us, guys. It's been a it's been a fun few days, actually. Yeah, oh, it's been, been a great time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'll find out my jet lag too. So I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Emerging Possibilities. Send your comments, suggestions, and questions to emerging.possibilities at volvo.com. And of course, remember to rate and review this show.